This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is the Rays Radio Network, presented by the original Louisiana brand hot sauce. Fairbanks ready to go to pitch. Swing and he popped it up. Will it stay in play? Troy in the foul territory. Makes the catch and the Rays win. The Rays have gone back to back as AL East Division champs. Welcome to Countdown to Opening Day. Swing and a high drive. Deep to left field. On its way. His first big league hit is a game tying three run homer. It's five to five. Wander Franco making himself at home in the big league. Coming up. We sit down with Rays players, coaches, and front office executives to discuss the latest news in Rays baseball. Now, here's your host, Neil Solons. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Fort Myers, Florida for Countdown to Opening Day, our latest edition, 19 days until the opener between the Rays and the Baltimore Orioles on April the 8th. Today, well, back in Port Charlotte, Corey Kluber was getting stretched out further, back through a live batting practice of just under 40 pitches and two plus innings as he moves his way forward to get ready for his first appearance in a spring training game. Also several relievers through uh, on the side in live batting practice sessions, including J.P. Fireisen. As far as today goes, in this game between the Rays and the Minnesota Twins here in Fort Myers, it's going to be Colby White, who is the Rays minor league reliever of the year, who is going to be uh, pitching at least to start the game. It'll be all minor leaguers on the mound, and we'll see some regulars in the field, including uh, Taylor Walls and also Brett Phillips. Uh, in terms of the the pitching going forward, Kyle Snyder, who's the pitching coach for the Rays, has said that he's not using the big league guys or the 40-man guys until tomorrow. That's when uh, the guys will get started on the mound in games, and we'll discuss that with him as he's one of our guests on our latest Countdown to Opening Day show. In addition to that, we're going to hear from Brandon Lau and talk about what was a remarkable regular season for him a season ago and how he hopes to improve going forward. Hey, watch the 2021 AL East champions start the regular season in their first home game against the Orioles Friday, April 8th. All fans receive a schedule magnet while supplies last. Tickets are on sale now at racebaseball.com slash tickets. Neil Solon's with you again in Fort Myers, Florida for the Rays and Twins. Dave and Andy will have the play-by-play coming up at the top of the hour. Coming up on this program, Brandon Lau. We continue right after this on 95.3 WDAE at AM 620. Welcome back to Countdown to Opening Day. Neil Solon's with you in Fort Myers. Rays and Twins at the top of the hour. Brandon Lau, we're not in the lineup today. He was a starter yesterday for the Rays, and of course he did start plenty of times last year and led the team with 39 home runs and also drove in 99 runs. And I asked him this week what he did during the lockout to be able to stay sharp. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely weird December 2nd, them just going straight to a lockout, but the way that we had known kind of this was going to come, you know, we were forewarned by our PA and stuff like that to be ready that a lockout was going to come and treat the offseason the same way that you're going to treat any other offseason. So from the day that they locked us down to the day that we kind of, we agreed to terms, it was a normal offseason. I think um, 
kind of at that February 15 mark is when things got a little weird for us. Um, just, you know, our work counts normally don't go that long. Uh, you know, we look around the facility and we have four guys and instead of 15. And so it was a little bit different in that aspect of everything. But, you know, it's in this game and the job that we have, it's adjustments or on the fly or something that you have to do every day. So it was something that we took in stride and just we knew at some point there was going to be a deal done. You know, nobody wanted a 94 to happen. You know, so everyone stayed ready. You were ready to go. And, you know, when, when the call came and everyone saw on ESPN that it was time to go, that uh, everyone was ready. You spent a lot of the preparation for 21 back in Nashville, as you did this year. Same guys, similar program. What types of things did you do? Yeah, same, pretty much the same thing. Uh, just same thing I've been doing essentially since off season of 15. You know, I, I go back to the same hitting guy, same facility, same strength guy that we have, everything like that. And essentially just tell them, you know, I want to get more explosive. I want to be able to play 162 and, you know, be healthy for it all. And our strength guy divvies up a plan, you know, figures out what I want to do strength-wise. And, you know, I don't question a thing. Uh, I might complain some days that workouts are a little difficult, but, you know, he's got my best interest in mind. And same thing on the hidden aspect of it. You know, you take a good bit of time off, let the body rest from swinging and stuff like that, but pick it up in early December, middle of December, and just get to work. You know, we always like to say an inch mi- an inch wide and a mile deep, you know, really just trying to own what, what I do at the plate and the approach that I have, and that's kind of just what we're focused on. You look back at your year from a season ago. You're a homer shy of 40. You're an RBI shy of 100. When you reflect, how pleased were you where you got, especially with how things were challenging to start? Yeah, I mean, it, it's easy to, to look at 39 and 99 and go, well, you know, it could have been 40 and 100. But, yeah, you got to take a step back and go, you know, I just hit 39 homers in the big leagues. Like, that's pretty freaking cool. And you know, not a whole lot of second basemen, not a whole lot of guys – honestly that have played can say that so as much as it it sucked not to have that pretty round number up there it's still it's still a pretty dang good year and to do it after the month and a half struggle or whatever it was at the beginning of the year really just you know gives me kind of peace of mind you know it's it doesn't really matter how it starts or when the slumps happen you know it's baseball slumps happen no matter kind of how the season starts how the season ends you know I'm going to be in a pretty good spot I feel really good uh, in my position in the in the league and just kind of keep performing for us. Do you? How excited were you to get back to this group, especially when you consider now Randy's got a full year under his belt? That was your first full year under your belt, and Wander gets his first full year this year. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's always fun getting back because this is a second family. You know, you spend eight months with these guys every year, so it's a brotherhood that we have here, and it's a testament to the guys they bring in. It's, it's, it's essentially a family, so being away for four months you kind of get that itch to get back in and then when you see everybody it just takes you back to like nothing like you didn't leave and it's great to see everybody and then with the experience that everyone has gained it's going to be I think it's going to be really fun to watch some of these young guys do what they can do. For all the talk about pitching and defense and look you guys are still a pitching and defense team you were one of the top offensive teams in the league do you imagine what you guys can be with another year of experience? Yeah I think it's it's something that I feel like is always going to get slept on, um, which at this point it's year four of it happening. So none of our hitters, and, you know, we tell every hitter that comes in, you know, don't be shocked when they, they love our pitchers because, you know, it's, it's impressive what our pitchers do. You know, they come out and every guy throws 100 with a curveball that moves five feet and 
we're we're really good um, offensively or pitching and defensively. So, but I mean, when you go back and you look at it and you see the the guys that put up great numbers for us, and then you realize that oh god, that was four months of their career. It's going to be pretty exciting to see what they can do. A little bit more mature, a little bit more understanding of what's going to come their way. You mentioned the hope is this is going to be your four, this fourth straight trip to the postseason, yet people are almost surprised. Is that motivation for you and the group? Honestly, I think we just kind of take it and we make a joke of it in the locker room at this point. At least I do. You know, last year I think they had us like fourth in our division or something like that. We got to have the best record in the AL. Like, it's just stuff like that that it, it, it's just constant throughout the years, I feel like, at least for all the years that I've been up. It seems that people underplay the talent that we have here because um, we're a small market team and we don't get all the media attention that some of these other big market teams do. And, you know, it's, we're going to keep going out there and proving everybody wrong. From a personal level, is there, you know, Wander had talked about this in the clubhouse, and, and I think Randy did. The motivation is to get further, though, in the playoffs. Is, is that kind of when you get back here, hey, this is, this is we need to take the next step type thing? Yeah, absolutely. You know, looking back at last year, I don't think there's a single person that didn't have a bad taste in their mouth after losing in Boston. And not even just the way that we lost, you know, where we lost, who we lost to. You know, we had played such good games against Boston all year long, and majority of the time I feel like we came out on top against them and after having made it to the World Series a year before to not have repeated or done better than that definitely left a sour taste in in all of our guys mouths and you know I think again a testament to all of our guys here that's one of the things that you're hearing is that personal goals aren't kind of there you know it's I want to be in the postseason I want to be uh, deeper into the postseason than we were last year and I think that's going to help us get there. That said, if each of you are a little bit better in some area, it helps you get there as a group. Are there as good as your year was? What I know how high you set your standards, so what are the little things that you'd like to get better at this year? Personally, I'd love to get to 40 and 100. <laughs> um, I, I've kind of set that standard that 39 and 99 is attainable. So I, I just feel like that's I want to be better than I was the previous year, no matter you know, if I hit if I come out and I hit 60. You know, I'm always going to want want more and more and more. So uh, I think it's just improving overall on what happened last year, better defensively, better offensively, and, and doing whatever I can to get there. We mentioned this is your first full year in the big leagues, but you've been part of this for now a few years. With Joey now traded, do you feel you or others have to take on a little bit more of a leadership role? And if so, how does that just come naturally? I think it's just one of the things that's great about our clubhouse is nobody has that, that energy about them that they are – top dog like this is you it's my way of the highway you know we have a great mesh in the locker room that everyone understands what their role is and and what they need to do hold themselves accountable and stuff like that and then you know you have guys that were in that leadership role before Zanino KK now we have Kluber that's got a lot of time to to come in and kind of handle some of that aspect so I think that leadership role wise it's going to be kind of the same thing you know all of our infielders are going to hold themselves to a high standard and we all know what that standard is whether it's wander that knows that who's been playing as the top prospect for the past 12 years or whatever it has been he knows that he holds I mean you see it in his work he holds himself to a high standard so there's you don't need to have that leader coming over and barking on him to make sure he does his work so I think we're very good um self-governed team about you know showing up doing what we have to do and be ready to play and I think you're also pretty self-aware you, you obviously I think there was an expectation wander was the next really talented player there's not going to be guys at that level every year but this system is so good 
who's a player that you're watching that you're going, hey, he can be really have an impact on this year's club? It's, it's difficult to say that because you don't know who's going to be up, you know, who's going to be down, what guy gets traded, anything like that. But a guy that made his debut last year probably didn't spend as much time up as I think he had hoped for is Josh. And, you know, watching his defense today, I didn't realize that he threw as well as he did. Just some, some of the things that I feel like have been slipped through the cracks because he's been so good in the minors that just, you know, people have come to expect a certain outcome and a certain thing from him being, you know, the first-round pick. You know, he's young, athletic, and stuff like that. But, you know, I think that he's going to be very good whether or not he gets to break with the team or he gets called up at some point this year. I think he's going to be somebody that comes in and has a good impact. Well, you can let him know how to pronounce his name. We appreciate some time on our, uh, on our countdown to opening day show. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Good stuff from Brandon Lau, and of course we're referring to Josh Lowe, who is in the lineup for the race today. In fact, he's in right field as the race getting set for the Twins in Fort Myers. We just talked some offense with Brandon Lau, again 39 homers, 99 runs batting in a year ago. Coming up, we're going to talk pitching with the guy who handles it all, that being Kyle Snyder. It's his fifth year as the Rays pitching coach. He's done an outstanding job. We'll hear from Kyle when we return to Fort Myers. You're listening to Countdown to Opening Day on 95.3 WDAE and AM620. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Neil Solon's with you on Countdown to Opening Day from Fort Myers. Rays taking on the Twins this afternoon. Rays starting Colby White, the minor league reliever of the year. But we chat pitching right now with pitching coach Kyle Snyder. I asked Kyle if maybe a shortened spring is almost like speed dating when it comes to knowing all his pitchers. I think speed dating is a good way to put it. Yeah, you know, just we're trying to get baselines on these guys as quickly as we can, certainly given the fact that we weren't able to communicate with all the covered players for about three and a half months and just getting a, getting a sense for where they are, you know, almost demanding transparency out of them just to be sure that, we, you know, we're handling them responsibly. But, you know, and then we're also looking at the first three games kind of eliminating anybody from our camp participating in that. There are some some guys that signed um, with big league uh, invites in their contract that did actually get to minor league camp and, and do have uh, you know a couple of extra weeks lead time on these guys. So you'll see those guys for the first few games and some of the other guys in our minor league system just because they're more prepared and, 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 and more ready to actually pitch in some games. So do you have to rely and you always rely on a cooperative effort but more on Stan more on Rick Knapp more on Brian Reith to make sure that you're having enough conversations with guys and staying on top of everybody there's no question communication is really critical given that we got a 28-day run-up compared to compared to 53 right you know and I'll do more delegating as a result of that. I'm not going to be able to see every single bullpen, you know, just kind of given kind of where we are and, and, and making sure that, you know, we're, we're laying brick by brick beneath each one of our guys before we start to put load on them. But uh, it's certainly nice to have the likes of, you know, Brian and, and, and Rick and Stan, of course, just to, to support this whole process as we put innings on these guys. You do have a majority of the guys back, though, from either last year or previous years. How much does that help more than, let's say, a year where you had a lot of turnover? Well, it's huge. I mean, last 
last year, I think we had 15 guys that we can't that we brought in um, that were just you know non-roster invitees that we needed to kind of get, familiarize ourselves with, and you know, but the simple fact that there hasn't been a ton of turnover definitely gave me a lot less pause, you know, going through the process of the lockout and not being able to communicate with them, and also, you know, I, I had a feeling it was going to happen, so I, I did my best for the two weeks running up to December 1st to be sure that I, you know, we got them all, you know, some player plans, some throwing progressions that they could dovetail off if there was a delay, et cetera. But, you know, yeah, it, it, having the familiarity of the guys and, and knowing them and a relationship already in place certainly helps. Generally, how well did they follow that and what kind of shape is this group in here at this shortened spring? <laughs> I've been blown away by how good a shape these guys are right now. I mean, I just essentially the last two days they've got all gotten off the mound. But just the, you know, the, these last two days I've been really, really, really impressed with where all these guys are. So how good can this staff be? And how careful do you have to be in terms of the buildup, especially of the starters, more probably than the bullpen? The staff, the staff has as much potential as any staff that there is. Um, I, I say that with a lot of confidence. And, you know, the, the buildup, you know, weird 2020 season, you know, the likes of McClanahan and Boz were pitching at an alternate training site all year. Um, you know, looking at last year, you know, roughly 100 innings for Shane, 150 for McClanahan, just using these guys as examples, we got to be mindful of, of, you know, properly building these guys up. And, and that's why I'm the typical lead time that we have in a, in a spring training where it's we have like 52 or 53 days before opening day. We have nine days prior to game starting. I'm operating the exact same way. You know, so those first three games, since we got in here and worked out the first time on Monday, I'm just going to approach it like we normally approach it. And, um, you know, where we are in terms of ups and total pitches for our starting pitchers is where we're going to be. And, and we'll have to adjust a little bit potentially in the first couple of weeks. I know there's talk of potentially expanding rosters for a couple of weeks. I think that would be tremendously responsible. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think that, uh, yeah, I mean, every year at this time, like, there's a lot more indicators anymore for us to be able to rely on as well, just through sports science, you know, things that we're able to look at, give us a better look under the hood with some of our guys. We're going to rely on those as well, but the relationships I think are really going to be the one, the thing that separates it. Is it realistic to get guys to five and 75 by opening day? And if I guess I'm saying the bulk guys, the starting guys. Yes, I think it is realistic. I don't know if that's completed in spring training or if they're prepared to do that their first outing. You know, but I, looking at it and working backwards, which most, most pitching coaches have to do, nobody will be further than that. Is this somewhat a similar jig puzzle to, jigsaw puzzle to last year? I think we talked probably about having five to eight to nine guys who can throw between 100 and 150 innings. Are we looking at something similar? Or are there guys who maybe, based on last year's workload, can carry a little above 150 if needed? I, I think there's there's some guys that could probably carry just a little bit above that. But, I mean, it's going to be a fairly similar. You know, when, when you look at the 1,450 innings that we're going to wind up pitching, um, I, I really feel like those innings are going to be distributed in a, a fairly similar fashion that they were last year. You know, you could see McClanahan take a step forward just because he has 150 beneath him now after pitching in the postseason twice, um, you know, when you factor that stuff in. But just taking everything into account and being sure that we're being as responsible with each one of these guys as possible. You brought up that we don't know what the rosters are going to look like on opening day. Is it 13 pitchers? Is it 14, 15, 16? 
do you have to consider carrying maybe a couple extra bulk guys in your bullpen, almost as a piggyback type way of starting some games just to, you know, have enough innings coverage? Potentially bulk guys or potentially multi-inning guys. You know, I mean, something that we've coveted the last few years are guys that can get six outs out of the bullpen. You know, so on any particular day, you know, if, um, you know, even a Brooks Raley or, you know, somebody that's capable of giving us a, a second inning, um, I think we'll look to get those guys up and down twice in spring training so that they are capable of, of doing that and, and more than likely probably another handful of guys as well. Now, if we do, if we are allowed to carry a 14th or 15th pitcher, you know, it could be one bulk and then one specialist, you know, because it just gives you the two additional bodies down there. Um, but that would be a, some significant help in the first couple of weeks, given kind of the rush to the run-up to opening day. You mentioned Shane McClanahan, and you've got a lot of young pitchers who've grown. How important was the addition of Corey Kluber to help this group grow even further? I mean, Corey Kluber is a two-time Cy Young Award winner, tremendous professional. He'll be at 10 years this year in the game. His presence, his baseball experience, his life experience, just I think he's just he's going to be a wonderful asset in the clubhouse. He's going to be a wonderful asset to the other pitchers, just all the things that he's gone through, you know, to be able to help, uh, not too dissimilar to uh, Charlie Morton in the past and, and other guys that kind of helped usher along some of these younger, you know, prospects as, as they, you know, get used to being um, in the big leagues, which is a different landscape, and um, as they get to be more comfortable and, you know, um, understand, you know, what's – I don't want to say what's required of them, but, you know, just cutting their teeth and, and, and becoming themselves at the major league level. You've got a group of pitchers coming back off injury. Beeks, Poche, Springs, Thompson, at some point, Chirinos and others. How valuable can that group be? How where is that group in terms of being able to help at the start of the season? Sure, yeah. Uh, Jalen Beeks and, and Colin Poche, I would say, ahead of the other group, um, they're, they're certainly in consideration you know, for, for making our team. Uh, they're both about 20 months post-opera of Tommy John. Um, the rest of the group that you raised, uh, I don't think – I mean, the addition of Rick Knapp in into, into a rehab pitching role, you know, the amount of – time that he's going to be able to spend with them and pour over with them and, and go on rehab assignments with them. I think that role itself is really going to help us a lot more than it's helped us in the past in terms of just the attention and, and you know, a specific pitching discipline being able to apply, being applied to these guys. But the second half of the season, you're looking at, you know, some, some key contributors, you know, um, and I'm anxious to see all those guys, given my injury history as a player, a sensitivity to it, of course, but, you know, getting back on the mound and doing the things they love and helping us in the second half of the year. Best of luck in the first half of the year, too, and all the way through. We know you got a lot of work ahead. Thanks for a few minutes. My pleasure, Neil. Thanks for having me. And that is Kyle Snyder, who really has done a magnificent job with the pitchers for the Rays over the last handful of years. And in fact, when he was in the minor league system, too, with Tampa Bay. And he actually stayed in Port Charlotte for today with Brian Reith, the Durham pitching coach, coming down for the Rays game against the Minnesota Twins. That'll be coming up 
Kyle wanted to make sure he watched all the live batting practices and bullpen sessions of a number of key guys who will be on that Rays roster. We certainly appreciate Kyle for being with us on the program today, and we also thank Brandon Lau on our program next week. You're going to hear from hitting coach Chad Matola about things on the offensive side and also from catcher Mike Zanino, who certainly will do a very good job, I'm sure, handling the pitchers over the course of this year. He, a team MVP from a year ago. I want to thank back at our studios today, Rob Roman, and also thank Rob Mark Hayes for his help on site. Again, the Rays taking on the Minnesota Twins this afternoon, and Dave and Andy will have all the play-by-play coming up in a matter of moments. Neil Solon saying thanks so much for listening to Countdown to Opening Day. If you missed any of it, it will be archived at racebaseball.com slash podcast or on Apple Podcasts. This is Countdown to Opening Day at 95.3 WDAE and AM 620.